just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries, and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today, I'm chatting to Tatiana all about her diagnosis of Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder or more commonly known as ADHD. Tatiana's diagnosis is still super fresh, so in this episode, we really explore the process from the moment she thought, hey, that could be me in 2019, to seeing multiple TikToks in 2021 and thinking, hey, that could still be me, to then securing a psychologist appointment, receiving her diagnosis, and starting on medication. As always, a lot of relevant information is in the show notes, as well as over on Instagram, at That's So Chronic. I'd love to know what you think of this episode, so don't be afraid to reach out. Welcome to That's So Chronic. Firstly, I want to say a huge congratulations because you have just received your Masters of Creative Practice yeah. specializing in performing arts yeah. with distinction, oh, nonetheless. You. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> Yay, yeah. When we thank met you. for coffee to talk about this episode, you hadn't got your marks yet, so I'm really excited that it's happened since the last time I saw you. Yeah, yeah, and I was a little bit kind of nervous, but I managed to, you know, just, just scrape in there with an A-, minus, and I'm really, really happy, yeah. So. Yeah. So excited for you. And in amongst all of this, you have been going through the process of being diagnosed with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Yes. Or ADHD, yes. as people might know it is. Yes. Which is full on, I can only imagine. And I did actually just want to preface this interview for everybody listening at home that we have had a coffee, we've had a mm-hmm, chat mm-hmm. about how this interview is going to go because we're both very aware that the diagnosis is super fresh. Yeah. You started investigating this about six months ago. Yeah, yeah. In March 2020. Yeah, 2021. 2021, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it's like 2021. Yeah, I know. It's crazy that we're actually here. I've done that a couple of times as well (laughs) myself. I've been like, oh. And it's like August 2021. It's not even, yeah. I saw a meme and it was like, oh, you know, so August, so it's basically September, September, so you may as well get your Halloween costume out and start buying Christmas presents. Happy New Year, everyone. Oh my God. Like, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I totally get that. And so when we were chatting about it, you know, I was saying, like, if someone had interviewed me just after being diagnosed with Mm -hmm. MS, the interview would be completely different to what I did say on this podcast like two months ago. Yeah. And so we've chatted about that. And we both thought that this could be a really awesome opportunity, actually, to share the diagnosis process as it is still so fresh for you. Yeah. Because I think everyone listening knows that after time, some memories start to fade and Mm -hmm. we forget really small but important things Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you have all of those things still in your brain so I'm really excited and thank you so much for sharing what you're about to share with us. No thank you for having me and yeah I think I think it is really important as well is that you know as as we kind of talked about I'm not trying to come from a point of like oh well I have all this knowledge about this because yeah literally for me you know some people might listen to the podcast and be like wow I've 
learn things about ADHD that I never Mm -hmm. even knew and I'm like pretty much on the same page you know like I'm definitely not an expert in this you know it's all just been pretty fresh first-hand mm-hmm. knowledge and yeah I'm kind of I've, I've discovered a lot in the last couple of months yeah and I'm so excited to learn more from you yeah, as yeah. well <laughs> shall we start with what your definition of ADHD is yeah so I do have some weird notes here as well so that I don't forget things because yep. that's a absolute ADHD thing but yeah definitely what you've said attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and previously you know, a number of years ago as well, there used to be kind of two different types. So there was ADHD and ADD. Yes. Um, and I was learning that ADD is quite an outdated term. Yes. Yeah. So outdated because, so they kind of separated it. So ADHD was the more hyperactive mm-hmm. and ADD was more inattentive. Oh, okay. Um, and now ADD doesn't exist, not really a thing. They've just smushed it all together. But so because of that now ADHD there are kind of three main categories yeah hyperactive impulsive and then inattentive okay and then as part of that you can kind of be a mixture so you can be mainly hyperactive impulsive or mainly inattentive Mm -hmm. or combined which is just like a big smush of all of it yeah yeah and so when you're going through the process of being diagnosed is that kind of like classified in your diagnosis of where you sort of sit on that scale yeah for me so that was part Part of my diagnosis as well as she kind of gave me that I'm uh, combined, so I've mm-hmm. definitely got bits of everything, mm-hmm. but more of the inattentive. And okay. I think that was part of my journey as well and kind of like the dis- diagnosis. And what I learned is that and one of the main reasons why a lot of women and girls are not diagnosed as often or can be looked over, especially in childhood, is because originally that mm-hmm. old AD- ADD one, which is no longer a thing, in terms of inattentiveness, it's like harder to pick up necessarily. Yeah. So, and a lot of girls at that age, if they're away with the fairies or if mm-hmm. they're kind of just like, you know, a little bit out of it or losing things or a little bit forgetful, that's kind of seen as, oh, well, that's just a girl thing. Right. So, yeah, that's kind of why, one, mm-hmm. ADD doesn't exist anymore, they've smushed it all together, but also, two, it's kind of can be different for girls and why, for me... I think, yeah, initially, like, I guess a lot of women, I was like, mm, that doesn't sound like me yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because we all have these preconceived, like, misconceptions of what ADHD looks like, yeah. and, you know, when we were chatting and I was, like, looking back and I was like, yeah, you know, there was a young boy in my class through school that yeah. had been diagnosed with ADHD mm-hmm. and, like all I knew about the condition was what I had seen yeah. him be like when he was five, you yeah. know, throwing scissors around the yeah, room. And it's yeah. like, that's actually not a true representation of what it's like. Absolutely. And I think if, you know, that is the one thing that I guess really kicked off my diagnosis and that I'm sure a number of people with kind of the rise of it on social media and that sort of thing, it might be the same, is that this, yeah, preconception that... Mm-hmm. To have ADHD, you kind of have to be fidgety or you have to be completely not be able to focus on things. But really, it's one, such a spectrum. Two, like I just said, there are those multiple multiple different types. So hypothetically, you could actually not be hyperactive at all and you could mainly just be inattentive. But, oh, no, <laughs> I have the classic, another, another ADHD thing being like, yeah, one, two, and my third point, and it's already gone. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, ADHD being this kind of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, a big part of that, 
that name is the attention deficit. But Mm. what I've since learned is that for many of us, it's almost like the opposite. It's not that we have a lack of attention. It's that we have kind of too much of it. And it's about controlling that attention and making it sure it goes to the right place. And I actually found out something that I thought was kind of really, really cool and really beautiful. Um, So in 2020, Tadeo Hapai, this kind of online glossary of terms of Māori words for mental health and addiction and disability kind of launched. And the Māori word for ADHD is, and my pronunciation I hope is not too awful, but arorere tini. which means attention goes to many things. Ah. Um, And that to me is probably a more accurate description of ADHD and I feel like a lot more positive. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And when I was researching more about ADHD, I was learning that the prefrontal cortex, the frontal lobe of our brains, and correct me if I'm wrong from my Mm -hmm. researching that I've been doing online. I'm very limited as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's something to do with that, that part of the brain is maturing at a slower rate with ADHD. And that frontal lobe is responsible for things like filtering and controlling attention, behavior, emotion, energy or motor control, judgment and executive functioning, which means like the ability to plan and organize. Absolutely. So, yeah, again, my knowledge, you know, I am not a neuroscientist and I may be kind of saying things in there that are kind of some of the picture, but not all of it. But my understanding is, yeah, the same. A lot of what people with... ADHD struggle with is executive functions and like you said that's working memory planning and prioritizing task actioning organization Mm -hmm. and also emotional control as well right and so people with ADHD have actually executive dysfunction which makes it harder and a lot of that is to do with I think people with ADHD have less dopamine and less norepinephrine okay and those are two kind of things that help with all of that stuff in the prefrontal cortex but also Ah. part of it is that for some people well I guess if you don't have an ADHD brain and you're going about and you maybe you clean your room you feel great after that you get a big hit of dopamine Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason the ADHD brain it doesn't receive that dopamine hit Ah. in the same way and so it's kind of like a repetitive cycle because they struggle to clean the room in the first place because the executive function isn't there in the same way and then even if you do manage to do it you don't get that hit of dopamine the same way so you don't get those kind of patterns set up Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like it all is mixed in there yeah (laughs) oh and I'm really intrigued and yeah interested in learning about how this all started for you so let's go all the way back to the beginning yeah you've decided to start investigating what might be happening for you yeah so I actually looked back through like some Facebook messages And it was actually late 2019, so pre-COVID, pre-lockdown, pre-anything. Pre-apocalypse. I know, (laughs) exactly. I kind of, I came across this, not really like a meme, but there are a couple of different ADHD, I guess, cartoonists and kind of people, and I'll probably be able to give them to you and then you can maybe like write them in the link in the caption. Um, But there was one, and I saw this kind of, I guess, image or infographic, and it was like... A drawing of like those three different types so the ah. hyperactive the inattentive and the combined and I sent it to my cousin actually and I was like this is crazy like this some of the things here like really really sound like me yeah and I think I sent it to maybe a, a cousin and then a friend as well and 
I think my friend was like, yeah, I can definitely see some of those things in you. But then my cousin was like, "Mm, I don't really think they fit too much and don't worry about it. Yeah. Because I'm also a big worry anyway. So I think at the time I was like, yeah, fair enough. She's she's probably right. I'm probably just thinking too much into it. Yeah. Fast forward to post-apocalypse yeah and you know doing my master's and kind of around March April kind of finishing like actually wrapping up with my studies and being like where Mm -hmm. to from here and kind of looking into things I started to see some ADHD TikToks which you know there's a lot of them at the moment there is (laughs) um love a good scroll on TikTok I I know I know and so many of them like and with the little things and they like pop up all these things and you kind of look at it and it can be very easy I think for all of us to mm-hmm. be like oh yeah well I have six out of ten of those things yeah. and yeah. I just started to kind of see more and more and I was like huh and then I thought back to that thing in 2019 I was like hmm I wonder and then one night I was just like oh screw it like I'm gonna take an ADHD test okay. and I think actually remembering now back in t- 2019 I had done the same thing. I had seen this image and I had gone and I had taken an online test, which is available free online as mm-hmm. part of the National ADHD Foundation in the States. Okay. And I'd done it and also ranked quite highly back okay. in 2019. And so, you know, fast forward to the beginning of this year, 2021, March, and I was like, okay, well, I'll do that again. Mm-hmm. Same thing, like still rank quite highly and still kind of like across the board and in many different areas. And I remember it being like late at night, like maybe gosh like half past 11 at this point and I was like screw it I'm just gonna find every like free ADHD test that I can find and I'm just gonna do them all yeah because I was like is this a thing or is this not a thing yeah so I did like six or seven and I specifically looked into as well like ADHD tests for women ADHD tests for adults because again like symptoms represent differently in adults to children and all of them were like you know you score quite highly you know you score 65 out of 73 we would recommend you getting in touch with a practitioner you know talk to your GP and I was like huh okay so (laughs) I went with that to bed with that kind of laying heavily on my mind and I woke up and what I now understand is an ADHD hyper focus thing because that's another thing I think people think that people with ADHD you know, really struggle with attention. But mm-hmm. sometimes if it's interesting, we can like lock onto it. Yeah. So Which can be like a positive thing. If exactly. ADHD. Exactly. But so yeah, retrospectively yeah. now I know that that's probably what this was. But I was like, right, okay, if I might have this thing, I, I you know, just like anything, you want to, you want to find out if you have it. Yeah. So I started to look into how do you get an assessment yeah. done in New Zealand? And, and how do you get an assessment done? Yeah. So I kind of, you know, did a basic Google and it kind of, I think first I started with like, what do you do if you think you have ADHD? And they were like, Mm -hmm. well, one, you get diagnosed because then you know if it is a thing or not. And then two, based on that diagnosis, you can then have a look at things like medication. And so I was like, okay. And then I went on to how to get diagnosed in New Zealand. And there were two main ways that jumped out for me through what I found. And there might be more, but I think, yeah, these were the two main ones was publicly. So just like anything, go and have a chat to your GP they refer you to a waiting list. Different DHBs around the country, I think, have longer waiting lists than others. Yeah. Uh, but also, it seemed to be like even seeing things on like, you know, Reddit and Facebook, some people were kind of saying that they had had issues where, I guess, to be referred publicly, your symptoms have to be like quite bad. Right. Uh, just like anything, you know, mm-hmm. because public there's you know so much to go around and they only have a finite amount of resources and unfortunately it feels like that is quite 
prominent with mental health. Yeah, it's 100%. like you need to be right at the top of that scale. Yeah, to otherwise, even get a look yeah, exactly. And then so immediately, I was like, okay, the other option is private. Mm-hmm. And then through private, there were two options that jumped out from that as well. One was um, getting assessed by a psychiatrist, which is someone who's obviously you know a psychologist and then has a bit further more knowledge in terms of medication and that sort of thing and is a doctor and then a psychologist and the two main things there I guess some of the pros and cons were psychiatrist meant that if you got an assessment done through that that they could diagnose um they could prescribe you medication immediately yeah and a lot of people were also saying that it tended to sometimes only take one session. Right. So that was good. And because it would only need one session, even though the cost per session for a psychiatrist is generally higher, mm-hmm. because you were only needing one session, the cost overall would be lower. So yeah. sort of between anywhere from, I think I was reading like $450 to maybe $600, $700. Okay. But... The issue with the psychiatrist was that the availability was much less. Right. And I think definitely now from being in kind of ADHD Facebook groups and things like that, the availability for psychiatrists does seem to be better in the North Island. Okay. But especially here in Christchurch, I think maybe just at the moment, Mm -hmm. we've got a real lack for psychiatrists. Yeah. So I was like, okay, option B is through a psychologist. The pros of that are that they do it over a number of sessions. So you do a number of different tests instead of just like one conversation. So they are able to give you at the end of it an in-depth report. So rather than just meeting with one person one time, it's a number of meetings, a number of tests. It's really Mm in-depth. And another pro is that a little bit more availability. Uh, The cons is that because it takes multiple sessions, it obviously costs more. Yeah. And the cost of that was quite high. So I was quoted between $1,200 and $1,600. So would that just be for for one session each time or that's that's, in total? that is for the whole thing. So that's basically for an adult ADHD assessment. Okay. Um, So all of the things that are involved in that assessment, that's kind of like the overhead cost. Yeah. Wow, that's actually a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Especially when you're still studying. Yes, and I think for me, again, kind of getting into that hyper-focused state, being like, oh, well, I'll just see, like, da-da-da-da-da, may as well just do a test. Like, honestly, I thought it would be an inexpensive thing, knowing that it would be something that if you were going privately, you know, realistically, mental health professionals cost a lot. Yeah. But honestly, I was thinking, like, three or $400 max. Yeah. So to find out it was this... That really, I guess, kind of like changed it for me as well. It was like, oh, 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 okay. So if I'm serious about this, I I have to be more serious about this because the cost is like a big barrier. And during this time, were you doubting whether you even wanted to know? Yeah, 100%. I think that was, you know, it was definitely like a bit of an emotional roller coaster the whole way through. But one of the first things that came up initially was especially when I saw this cost, it's like, oh, well, one, am I just imagining this? Mm-hmm. Am I making this up in my head? And, you know, am I really going to go through this whole thing that's going to cost me a lot of money, yeah. a lot of time, a, a lot of mental duress mm-hmm. to potentially look into something that I might not even have? Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I also, at the same time, because I did have these negative perceptions and because I really genuinely did not understand what ADHD actually was, yeah. I was like, well, I am not 
a hyperactive, you know, nine-year-old boy throwing scissors around the room. I did quite well in school. Mm -hmm. I've always done, you know, quite well academically. That part of life has never been too hard for me. So, yeah, is this really something that I want to go down the path of? But I think... I started to look into it more and more and as I started to learn more I started to realize okay I think there's a bigger story here than what I think yeah and you know if this is potentially a key piece of information about myself that I don't know and that that could be holding me back yeah I think I want to like at least know for sure and at least go down this path yeah and during this time when you hadn't even seen a psychologist Mm -hmm, yet and you mm -hmm. were questioning this did you talk to anybody that had ADHD I I think around the same time, yeah, there was a guy on my master's course that I think one day I had come in like near the end and I'd been like, oh, I've kind of been looking into this. And he'd been like, oh man, like I was diagnosed at 14. Oh wow. And so I was like, oh cool. And yeah, did have a wee chat to him about it. And his partner as well actually also has ADHD and she was Ah. so lovely and super helpful and sent me a lot of kind of helpful Facebook groups and yeah. meme pages and information and uh, specifically for women and she was just like honestly amazing and then I was also quite I guess lucky is not the right word but my partner has some good uh, friends from high school and uh, this friend of his is around the same age a couple of years older than me and she had actually recently just been diagnosed herself wow okay um and so and yeah so they came over for a wine one night And I was like, oh, you know, hope you don't mind me saying, but my partner mentioned that, you know, you've been through this and what was your kind of experience? And she was able to tell me Mm -hmm. um, and she had gone down like the other route. She had gone to a psychiatrist in the North Island and she'd found it quite quick. And she had actually started on medication and she was like, look, it's actually life changing. Wow. So, you know there might be a lot of things holding you back at the moment, but if you think it could really be something that could help you, she Mm -hmm. was like, you know, I encourage you to chase it because at the moment that, yeah, the medication especially has just been changing my life. Yeah. Okay. So you then decide that you will see a psychologist. Yeah. So then the next step was again in like a hyper focus mode. And this was actually that same morning that, (laughs) like it was a, it was a lot in about two hours. I, sent an email I think around almost every psychology practice that I could find in Christchurch okay was just a big copy and paste being like hi do you do adult ADHD assessments and if you do what's the cost and if you do have any availability like can you let me know yeah and you know most of the responses I got from that were like hey you know we one don't have any availability but two yeah it's sort of between you know I say between 1200 and 1600 but realistically most people were telling me more even between 1400 and 1600 yeah. so they were like this is the cost and we don't have any availability do with this what you will and I was like cool 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 that doesn't really help me yeah and then I had a psychologist get in touch and she was like hey generally I don't have any availability and I'm actually booked out for the next couple of months but I've just had someone cancel <gasps> in a week and a half wow would you like it <gasps> And so it was amazing. Yeah. And I had the same reaction. I was like, oh, fantastic. But at the same time, I was like, oh, whoa, this is, you know, because even in like in less than 24 hours, I had gone from, 
I don't know what ADHD is. I don't think yeah. I have it too. Here's what it is. Here's how the diagnosis works. And by the way, we've got an assessment for $1,500. Do you want to take it? Next week. Right. Yeah. And it was like, oh gosh, okay. Um, yeah. Yes, please. And so I kind of locked it in. Mm-hmm. And then it was this big, you know, I guess pin drop moment of, oh heck. Yeah. Um, and yeah, some of those feelings started to come in as well of like, okay, I've booked this now. I've, I'm going to commit to paying this money. Like, is it really something that is worth doing am I just kind of chasing my tail and then I remember you know and and I will say as well I am in a phenomenally privileged situation that going private was even available to me and while I was studying as well and you know the only reason that was even an option is because I'm I'm very lucky to have supportive family Mm -hmm. who are, are, are there for me you know mentally and emotionally but also can can help with some financial support as well yeah so kind of talked about it with you know both my parents and with my partner as well and 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 my partner was really supportive you know financially as well he he chipped in a bit and so it was kind of like everyone yeah. putting in a little bit yeah which is so incredible um, it was fantastic and I'm honestly so grateful because you know thinking back it's like oh my goodness if I if that hadn't been available to me yeah. I could still be in this exact same spot and yeah not know anything and on Um, a wait list for like nine months exactly right um so yeah the next step was I then printed out I went on kind of all the national ADHD kind of websites Mm -hmm. I think I went states Australia UK NZ and printed out a whole big list of symptoms I did like six pages worth and then I went through to make sure that I was sure and like highlighted all the ones that I thought I exhibited yeah and it was so so much of them you know some of them are things like you know general forgetfulness or disorganization or a lack of working memory, or maybe even, you know, emotional dysregularity, which a lot of people don't know is part of it. And they are things that when you look at them on a piece of paper, I think everyone would go, oh yeah, well, I have a lot of those, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's easy they, to like see yourself. Exactly, yeah, yeah. They're, they're everyday things that I think we all experience at some point of our lives. And even discussing that with some family members, mm-hmm. you know, they were like, okay, well, I would meet a lot of that yeah. criteria. But one thing that the psychologist ended up telling me, but also that I ended up learning myself, is that, you know, much like any mental illness, it's not so much about whether you have some of those symptoms or how maybe even throughout your life if you have all of those symptoms. It's like, do those things affect you on a day-to-day basis and, you know, impact your life to the point that you feel like you can't function? Yeah. And when I was looking at these six pages of things, I was like, yeah, not only do I have 80% of these symptoms, they have affected me to the point that they have really had an impact and it's been happening for my entire life. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was the point I got to with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so you got the appointment Mm -hmm. the week after. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. You're sitting there, you do these tests with a psychologist. Yeah. Was it then spoken about how many more sessions you would need or like how did that whole process look? Yeah, so it wasn't, I don't think she mentioned how many, but I think all up it was like three or four. Okay. But she did at the beginning and even in like an information pack she sent me before I like paid she kind of outlined what the steps were. Oh, so you received this information before yeah, you even... Before, yeah, yeah. So oh, I cool. kind of locked it in. And I was like, yes, please, I'll take that. And she was like, cool, here's all the kind of like general stuff that you need to know. 
And the main thing is that they do a number of different tests. Some of them were in the form of like a conversation. So I guess she would be going through and she'd be like, can you think of any examples in your life where you might have had this? And then I would have to, you know, give her a couple of examples and some examples from recent life, but Mm -hmm. also from childhood as well. So that was part of the process. And I think that probably took like one to two sessions. And then also... In person with her, I did some classic, you know, tick ones of on a scale of one to ten, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then I had another one that was like on a scale of one to ten sort of thing that I took home and did. But my partner, as someone who sees me a lot day to day in my current life, Mm -hmm. he had one too. And it was the exact same set of questions. So I guess that's almost like a kind of test of, you know, comparing how much you think these struggle you struggle mm-hmm. with these things and then how much someone who sees you all the time yeah. thinks you struggle with these things. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, giving back to my psychologist. I mean, obviously there was a little bit of differentiation because I think he was probably kinder to yeah. me than I am <laughs> to myself, but it was also clear that, like, a lot of the stuff, yeah. my partner was like, Yes. Yeah, noticing that in in you as well. And that was also a really funny thing that I think when I first mentioned it to him as well, you know, because at that point we'd, you know, only been dating a little over a year and I was like, oh, you know, funny thing. I've seen these TikToks. Ha ha ha. Could have ADHD. That's not me at all, right? And he was like, no, actually, like, I can see that. I've I've never brought it up because, you know, I didn't want to, you know, offend you or say anything out of the blue like that, but I can absolutely see it. And I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> and so that was another thing for me as well to be like, oh, heck, like other people can yeah. clearly see maybe what I think is normal behavior. Yeah. Um. So yeah, did, did in-person assessments with her, mm-hmm. did some at home by myself. And then she also had phone interviews with oh. someone who knew me from my childhood. Okay. So that was um, my mum. And then someone again who knew me from current life. So again, that was my partner. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So how long would those phone calls have been? Uh, I maybe think like half an hour yeah. for each. So yeah, you know, it is when you think about it, a high price tag, of yeah. course. And, you know, realistically, it puts it out of the reach of a lot of people, which mm-hmm. is sucks, is awful. But I do think that I, for me, that was the better decision to go with that rather than just like one session in person with a psychiatrist. And it was very comprehensive. And I I totally think, you know, if we're kind of splitting hairs of was it good value for money, you know, like, mm, it's like, yeah, I absolutely think that. Yeah. And was it reassuring because so many other things had been looked into, like how your mum found it or your partner? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think also... It was, again, I was still on that whole journey of, do I have this? Don't I have this? Am I imagining things? Am I not? But through even discussions with her, when Mm -hmm. she would be like, have in your life you ever gotten distracted to the point of, you know, crashing your car? And like, that was the thing that I was like, oh, wow. Again, I thought that was just like a me thing. I never thought that something like that can be a symptom of you being so distracted. And I was like, oh yeah, actually I've... I've never had a real fatal crash, but I've been in a lot of fender benders. You know, yeah. that was one thing that was brought up, like, by my family at my 21st. Like, <laughs> you know, kind of jokes about all the scrapes I've been in with cars. And another thing that they do ask for, which in some cases for some people can be quite difficult, like if you're 
as an adult, if you're trying to go back that far, is um, school records. Right. Because generally, my understanding is, and I think for some people, they might be able to get around this, but generally the situation is that you have to be able to kind of have evidence that the ADHD was there as a child, because um, okay. kind of pre-age 12, because it's, to my understanding, not something that they really think just develops later on in life. Like yeah. it, it definitely can pop up later up in life. Mm-hmm. But I think because it's a kind of a, a psychological thing, it, it's usually there from childhood as well. Yeah, and I think it's kind of the opposite, right? Where people can grow out of. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, And so for me, that was another one that I felt a bit apprehensive of because one, I was like, gosh, I don't know if I have any school records that I can yeah. find. And two, I was like, well, I always did well in school. Yeah. And I was kind of like, I think if I do find any school records, they're going to actually say, you know, Tatiana does really well, no problems here, and that might hinder my diagnosis. Yeah. But I did manage to find some, and I did manage to look back, and I was like, oh, hmm, <laughs> these comments are quite interesting because a lot of them, and this is like around the ages of 9, 10, you know, yeah. hmm, Tatiana's doing really well, but she just needs to focus more. Oh. You know, Tatiana <laughs> needs to, to learn how to um, not interrupt and to contribute <laughs> to group discussions, you know, in a way that's, you know, and also even things about uh, me and you could tell that it was kind of like a backhanded compliment yeah. <laughs> of like, oh, Tatiana is really improving relationships with other children better this term. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, again, is another thing. You know, kids with ADHD do really struggle to make those mm-hmm. connections because we're wired differently. And yeah. that, you know, other kids can pick up on that. And it, yeah. it, you know, makes you view the world in a different way. Yeah. So, yeah, that was another thing that I guess across this journey, there have been a lot of little points and road markers of, oh, okay, yeah. this might definitely be a thing. And it's, yeah, not until you look back yeah. at those little road markers and yeah. retrospectively you can see, yeah. yes, okay, yeah. all the dots are joining here. Yeah. yeah. So what happens after the three to four sessions with the psychologist? Yeah, so, you know, she had all of these sessions, had all of these kind of interviews and tests and stuff, wrapped it all up and produced a report. Okay. So for me, that came out as a nine-page report. Wow. Uh, and that is not, you know, wide margins, big text. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, fairly small text, fairly small margins. No double um, line spacing. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and for me as well, as someone who does have a, a background in mental health, there are a number of other factors that she looked yeah. into yeah. because that's part of a diagnosis as well is that essentially ADHD and anxiety and depression and PTSD and whatever can they can all kind of overlap mm-hmm. because one ADHD can kind of cause symptoms of anxiety because yeah. if you spend your life knowing that you're different knowing that you yeah. can't do things in the same way of course from a young age that's going to develop these yeah. things of anxiety but yeah part of their job as a mental practitioner is to rule out anything else mm-hmm. so part of that nine page report was also her being like these are the other things Tatiana yeah. has struggled with these are the reasons why I believe what she's presenting is not related to those or is only partly related to those. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, finally wrapping it up and being like, yes, um, it is a positive diagnosis. And yeah, uh, mainly combination with more of the inattentive side Mm -hmm. was what I kind of got. And where does that report then go? Yeah, so I then took that report because... That is the thing is getting a report from a psychologist and, you know, spending this money and this time, it doesn't necessarily like straight 
give you medication because psychologists mm-hmm. can't do that. Yeah. So I then passed the report on to my GP, who then passed it to a public psychiatrist through CDHB. Okay. And I also thought it was going to be quite a long process, it mm-hmm. being public. But I think the benefit there was that rather than having to wait nine months to sit in a room with a psychiatrist, I just had to wait for a psychiatrist to flick through this report. Yeah. And so I actually think it only took me from giving that report to my GP and from then the psychiatrist being like, yep, let's start medication Mm -hmm. and this much and this dose, only about like two weeks. Oh, wow. So yeah, that again was like quite, quite quick. I was surprised. Yeah. And so once the psychiatrist reads through the report Mm -hmm. and they agree, disagree Mm -hmm. with the Mm -hmm. psychologist, Mm -hmm. what, what is then the process of you getting the prescription to start medication or is medication even talked about at this point? Yeah, so I think this is another thing that honestly, like my knowledge is probably not, I'm I'm not probably super knowledgeable in this area because I only know what happened for me. Yeah. But I think for most people who do receive a positive ADHD diagnosis, medication is a big part of it because, Mm -hmm. you know, as we know with mental health things it's not actually just about yeah. um putting in the the behavioral work it's also that you know chemically there's something yeah. that can be helped and so I think a lot of people do get to a point of like okay well the, we'll try this first and see how that goes on okay and so and by trying this first you mean the medication behavior? oh medication oh, yeah okay. yeah yeah well yeah I think some people have it differently yeah. in that but Generally, with ADHD, it's always like, okay, well, we know that this medication yeah. is shown to help. Yeah. Let's see what it does for you, yeah. individual human. And for me, that meant um, I started on Rubifin. Okay. So there are a couple of different ones out there and a couple of different types and doses. But my understanding is that Rubifin and Ritalin, which I'm sure more people, people kind of know of, of yeah. Yeah, yeah, are chemically identical pretty much but just different brand names yeah and so I started and I was the maximum dose you can have I think of Rubifin daily is of a a, an instant release is 60 milligrams okay and so I was working up to 20 milligrams twice a day so that's 40 milligrams but I started on a lower dose and kind of like worked up to that so Mm -hmm. I started with five milligrams twice a day the next week after that went up to 10 milligrams twice a day, week mm-hmm. after that 15 twice a day, okay. finally 20 twice a day. So over about a month, I kind of worked up to that. And are you um, able to check in with your GP throughout this process? Yeah, or yeah. Or is it the yeah. psychiatrist? No, it is the GP. And I think that where I am more at now, that might potentially be the next step further down the track is, mm-hmm. is maybe checking back in with the psychiatrist and being like, hey, like, this is going well, but this is not. Yeah. But yeah, because that was another thing that, honestly, I kind of sat down with my GP and I was like, what do you know about this medication? What can you tell me? And she was like, frankly, like, my knowledge is, again, not super great because GPs, they're generalized. They have to know so much stuff. And she was like, but this is kind of the main things to look Mm -hmm. out for. This are the main points. Here you are. Yeah. Off you go. And also I should mention as well, so, uh, yeah, Rubifin is a methylphenidate. Uh, it is a class B drug. Okay. Um, so, you know, and I think that's another part of the negative stigma that it is tied into everyone, especially in America. We know it's a big thing. You know, there's kind of this idea that perhaps over there people are kind of like over prescribing and just yeah. like pill pushing. And the reality is that these are stimulants so yeah. they're, they're, they're quite you know intense medication to be on 
But how a stimulant works is that in the mind of someone who has ADHD, it actually helps you to, you know, to to improve that kind of mental function and helps actually calm you and focus you. Yeah. Whereas if you take it recreationally as someone who does not have ADHD, yeah. it has the opposite effect and really like speeds yeah. you up, okay. shall we say. And I guess that's like kind of a... I, I'm not I'm probably not saying the correct words but no, like no. that's kind of like a cool thing because then when you take it you can be like well did that yes, happen or did this happen exactly <laughs> exactly and that was so so that is why it's like controlled yeah. is that you know I think some people in the past definitely have you know let's be honest unsold it recreationally yeah, yeah. rather than using it and that's why it is controlled now yeah um but yeah that was another massive thing of almost like imposter syndrome for me yeah before I took my first dose I was like okay this is really a thing if I I, I kind of which is not the case as well because you know your body is getting used to it so you can experience a number of things but I kind of told myself mentally I was like if I react to this in a way that yeah. I feel hyped up or buzzy or any of those sorts of mm-hmm. things I must not have ADHD and I must have like fooled everyone yeah so that was something I was really worried about and I also should mention that the type of Rubifin that I was on is like instant release okay so there are two different types there's like a slow release, which um, works kind of over a whole day and is like mm-hmm. a gradual over about eight hours. And then the fast release, which some people compare almost like a, a bit like a cup of coffee. Okay. It kicks in pretty much around after about 20, 30 minutes. Okay. It kind of peaks at about one to two hours and it's almost completely worn off by about four hours. Okay. So that's why some people, and like I am at the moment, take two twice a day, one in the morning to kind of give you a bit of morning focus yeah. and productivity, and then one later in the afternoon when that first one wears off okay so starting that medication I was really nervous I was like what is gonna happen but I took the first dose and just the first five milligram dose and I immediately felt so just like calm and even like drowsy and I remember yeah the first two times I had it I ended up like falling asleep for a nap for two hours yeah and I was like okay well if this wasn't having the desired effect I'm sure I wouldn't be falling asleep yeah. for a nap and that sense of calm and being able to take a nap during the day yeah. is that something that you have ever experienced in your life I've definitely had moments of you know like drowsiness and sleepiness and things like that but one thing I said to my partner is I'd kind of I'd taken my first dose and I was waiting for it to kick in and I kind of had YouTube videos in the background and I noticed that I was like listening to every single word the YouTube artist or person was saying wow and I was like are you able to do this normally is there something (laughs) that you can just listen to that one conversation and not have any internal thought and he was kind of like well yeah and I also kind of you know took a moment to try and like almost get into like a bit of a mindful state and just see how it was affecting my body and I kind of closed my eyes and I could hear my breath and I could hear my heartbeat and I said to him as well I was like so when you close your eyes for you normally, can you hear just your heartbeat and your breath and not anything else and not any internal dialogue? And he was like, well, yeah, if I'm just focusing on my breath and my heartbeat, of course. And I was like, wow, like I've only ever achieved that after, you know, like 15, 20 minutes solid meditation sort yeah. of thing. So that was like a crazy thing that I was like, "Yeah, wow. oh my goodness, I can really, yeah, it's like for me... Like you're in a bit of a vacuum. Mm-hmm. 
like rather than hearing lots of different things or thinking lots of different things and being to struggling to catch that train of thought it's like you're in the train of thought and you're really just in that one cabin of the train of thought yeah and everything that's happening right there in that moment that's what's got your focus wow so yeah for me was just insanely abnormal and and you know things that I have experienced at some points in my life but only when you know I've maybe had something else going on yeah like, yeah yeah and certainly not every hour yeah, of every day exactly and also coffee is another thing that um you know some people who might not be diagnosed with ADHD or who might think they have it but not be sure some people do self-medicate with things like coffee and yeah. coffee is actually something that has always made me feel like quite sleepy like if ah. I had a cup of coffee it's kind of like chilled me down um and that was that was one thing that yeah again in hindsight I'm like okay well that's why yeah but I always used to be like huh like if I had a coffee you know previously at 3 p.m in the afternoon Mm -hmm. I'd almost like fall asleep yeah you know yeah so looking back at this whole process Mm -hmm. how much did it cost you gosh I think I think definitely the psychologist I went to, I think she initially quoted me maybe like 1400 and I think it ended up being more 1500 Okay. Because I think I did maybe have an extra session in there. So there was that. And then are um, you paying for the GP appointments every time you go I am. There? I am paying for the GP appointments every time I go there. And another thing is that part of it being a class B controlled mm. drug and part of me having to do a drug test and pee in a cup before I was allowed to start on it is that you have to get a brand new prescription every month. Okay, so that's not you can't just call up and be like, "Hey, no, no. Rip, and do my re- yeah, refill." Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's yeah. not a repeat. So you actually physically have to get a brand new prescription, and that you incur those costs. Yeah. So if I wanted to, every month I could go and see my doctor and have a check in, and she would give my me my prescription. So that'd be you know forty fifty dollars whatever I think it is for me um, as, you know, like a student for that. And then I don't have to obviously pay a prescription fee on top of seeing her. Yeah. But I can do like an over-the-phone or an email prescription. Yeah. And then I only have to pay for that prescription itself. And then I think that's $25, $30. Okay. But, yeah, that's still something that I have to now incur probably for the rest of my life. And, unfortunately, it's not subsidized. And that was one thing I kind of mentioned with her. I was like, oh, so – I've heard that you have to get a brand new prescription every month. And she was like, yeah, unfortunately you do. And I was like, oh, is that covered by the government in any way? And she was like, unfortunately it's not. And I was like, but it's not us as people who genuinely have ADHD who are asking to get this every month. It's, you know, a safety and security measure that is being taken by the government. But since it's them making that requirement, kind of feels like they should kind of come halfway and at least partially subsidize maybe a cheaper prescription cost but anyway at the moment that is just a reality that Mm -hmm. you know that is an incurring cost so probably all up uh maybe various appointments and the whole assessment and going to the gp beforehand and during currently probably close to that you know 18 1900 yeah. mark so and a lot yeah with the medication mm-hmm. is that funded by pharmac are you paying like the five dollars when you go pick up 
the script or are you paying like a hundred dollars to get no no yeah that is that must be funded because yeah when I go to I just get it filled at you know a bug and chemist or a or a similar one yeah um so that they don't have a a, Mm -hmm. a fulfilling free fee and it it is free so I think it must be subsidized in that way yeah but just not with the actual obtaining exactly exactly yeah throughout this process at any time did you have a moment where you were like I wish this, like, I hope that it's not ADHD. Oh, 100%. It was definitely like a kind of emotional roller coaster the whole way through. I think at the beginning for me, I was kind of like, oh, is it really this thing? You know, I mentioned like it's going to be so much of a cost. Am I really going to like waste my time? And then it started out being like, I really don't want to have ADHD because in my mind it yeah was this like hyperactive young kid sort of thing and Mm -hmm. came with all this negative stigma and came with this intense medication and I was like what's going to happen to me and then over the process of the reports with the psychologist it then turned into oh my gosh since I have all these symptoms I really want it to be ADHD in a way because if it's not ADHD I'm going to know yeah. that I still have all these issues, all these things going on, all these things affecting me in my life, but just an even bigger question mark as yeah. to what it is. Yeah. And then even when I got the positive diagnosis and even when I kind of started on the medication, I still had that kind of fear that, yeah, what if I start this medication and it kind of proves to me that I've somehow falsified yeah. or tricked everyone or I'm an imposter. But further from that, if this medication is designed to help with some of these things like disorganization and clumsiness and general kind of, you know, talking too fast and interrupting people and all these sorts of things that for me through my whole life have make like, you know, make who I am as a person, yeah. have made my personality. I kind of said to my partner, I was like, am I going to lose me? Yeah. Like if, if who I am is so kind of intrinsically linked to ADHD in so many ways if I take something to help curb these symptoms am I gonna not be me anymore Mm -hmm. and he was very reassuring he was like no because you know you're not just this thing and and sure they are all things that you do and they do make you you but you're still gonna keep the positive attributes Mm -hmm. of those things it's just gonna make it a little bit easier to deal with for you in terms of the negative side of the overwhelmment and the feeling kind of like lost and Mm. like you can't cope with them and yeah and so how long have you been on the medication now that is a good question what month we in we are in (laughs) In August August. it's my birthday and it's my birthday tomorrow Tomorrow, yeah I should I should (laughs) know what month we're in so uh April saw her I think maybe June must have started around then when we had coffee. Okay. Was working up to, was working up to the full dose for over a month and then have been on the full dose maybe three weeks now. So yeah, all okay. up maybe about seven or eight weeks since I've been diagnosed and probably about yeah, three to maybe four weeks now on like my, you know, twenty milligrams twice a day. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It'll yeah. be really interesting perhaps we like check in with yeah, you again I know, in a year. I know. And see and see what it's like. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What do you think is next for you on this ADHD process? I think a lot of it has kind of just been learning and I am yeah. still learning and I will continue to learn. And what I've found from talking to a lot of people is 
I think definitely everyone sees kind of medication as that first step because, mm-hmm. you know, we know it helps and, you know, we know it, it, it can really change your life. But then the second step for that is actually doing the work to change that behavior, change those thinking patterns, learn to live your life in a way that is now more compatible to having this thing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's my next step. I'm definitely still in the stage of there's so much for me to learn, so much yeah. for me to explore in how do I make my everyday life more suited to someone who just thinks and works a little bit differently. Yeah. But I would say that, you know, if anyone is listening to this and if anyone is kind of where I was, like, gosh, like, less less than six months ago, just looking at TikToks being like, hmm, maybe that could be me. I would say, you know, go for it, explore it, talk to your family, talk to your friends, talk to your GP, see if there's any merit behind maybe those thoughts. And if there is, even just knowing. Yeah yes it is or no it's not will give you so much of a clearer picture about yourself I just feel like you know I I don't feel necessarily like I am this label yeah and certainly now that I fully understand it more I don't feel that it's as negative as I perceived it to be in the beginning yeah but I think the positive thing about the label I guess for me has been learning all these things that I've struggled with throughout my life that I thought I was just bad or a failure or I was less than people or I just couldn't get a grasp on it Mm -hmm. is actually not my fault and it's actually just something different and knowledge is power I guess exactly and I think one thing that I kind of wrote down was that I you know throughout this whole journey and learning that that's what it was was such a relief because my whole life I felt kind of like everyone had this kind of manual of almost like especially as an adult like here's how to adult here's how you you know pay your bills on time here's how you you know sort out your washing here's how you keep yourself organized here's how you don't lose your keys all of these things that for me just felt so out of reach and I think even friends of mine who wouldn't yet know that I've been diagnosed and who have just seen my behavior over my life Mm -hmm. would be like yeah you know Tatiana's always kind of been a little bit behind the eight ball on on doing those basic things and yeah it's like everyone else had this manual and I missed out but now I just realized that it wasn't that they had some secret that I didn't know it's that my brain just yeah works in a different way and now that I know that I can help work to that and there's definitely no shame or there shouldn't be any stigma around people's brains just operating a little bit differently to their next door neighbor because absolutely we are all unique and different yeah and thank you so much for sharing your diagnosis story thank you me and everybody listening wherever they might be listening thank you so much for having me thank you I've been seeing a lot of these ADHD TikToks popping up online, as well as a couple of pieces in the New Zealand media about all of this. So I would love to know your thoughts. Let's keep the conversation going over on Instagram. I'm at That's So Chronic. Of course, another big thank you again to Tatiana for sharing her diagnosis story with us all, especially so soon after the diagnosis itself. It's not something that I take for granted that Tatiana chose to do. This episode wouldn't have been possible without all of your support at home so from the bottom of my heart thank you for all of the reviews follows subscribes shares and messages i see them all and i really really appreciate it because this support ultimately is 
what helps that So Chronic get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and, more importantly, hope.